You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Lucas Lundin and myself and a couple of advisors went to Ecuador in June of 2014. And the Lundin family got the comfort that, yes, first of all, there was no doubt FDN was an amazing asset, as you mentioned, the grades. But could you do things in Ecuador? The family got the comfort level and we went ahead. So that was December 2014 when the deal closed. And as you said, fast forward to this year. So in five years, we've done the feasibility study, raised a billion dollars, and completed construction now of the first Western-style scale mine in the country in five short years. And, and in some jurisdictions, you say five years is pretty quick, even in very developed mining jurisdictions. So it's, it's been a, a quite an exciting journey, challenging at times, but we have shown that Ecuador is a country that you can build mining operations and you can operate mining operations. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I am your host, Bill Powers. In today's show, you are going to hear from the CEO of Lunding Gold, Ron Hochstein, as well as Elisa Moran. She is a representative from the government of Ecuador. Lunding Gold just announced commercial production at their high-grade Fruta del Norte mine in Ecuador. So Ron will be discussing the process of working with the Ecuadorian government, what that was like, as well as address investor concerns over Ecuador as a mining jurisdiction, and Elisa will address the progress Ecuador has made as a mining jurisdiction, as well as answer some investor questions. Both interviews were conducted at PDAC last week. So without any further ado, let's begin from hearing from Ron Hochstein of Lundin Gold. I am here at PDAC 2020 and I have the opportunity to sit down with Ron Hochstein. He is the president and CEO of Lunding Gold. And as investors in the gold space, we want to see the companies we invest in discover gold. And after they discover it, some of those deposits don't always make it into production. So as gold investors, we want to rejoice and be aware of those deposits that actually make it into commercial production and start selling the product for a profit. And Ron leads a company, Lunding Gold, that just declared commercial production on February 20th. They had their first gold dore bar poured in November of last year. I'm talking about the deposit Fruta del Norte, where the average grades over 9 grams per ton, 5 million plus ounce in growing uh, reserves. This is in Ecuador with an all-in sustaining cost of about 621 an ounce. And if you think about where gold has been trading recently, uh, about a week ago, that would have been about $1,000 of profit per ounce of gold. This is the first large-scale mine development in Ecuador. You can find more about the company at lundingold.com, and the ticker symbol is LUG. So, Ron, thanks for joining me, and I want to congratulate you on uh, commercial production. And uh, for investors that aren't familiar with the story of this deposit, could you give us a little background on what was the genesis of what brought us to here? First of all, thank you very much for uh, providing this opportunity. Fruit del Norte was originally found in 2006 by a company called Aurelian Resource, and it was an amazing discovery because there was no ex- expressions of this on surface, so it was a total blind discovery. The Then Kinross in 2008 acquired Aurelian for $1.2 billion, spent about $275 million on the project, but then Kinross also acquired many other companies at the same time, and so they found themselves with a stable of projects and without enough capital to choose all of them. In addition, Ken Ross had had a little bit of difficulty with the Ecuadorian government. So this is when they said, okay, we can't do this. In two th- that was in 2013. In 2014, 
we've, we were having discussions with Kinross, and Fruta del Norte came up. Lucas Lundin and myself and a couple of advisors went to Ecuador in two, June of 2014, and the Lundin family got the comfort that, yes, it, first of all, there was no doubt FDN was an amazing asset, as you mentioned, the grades, but could you do things in Ecuador? The family got the comfort level, and we went ahead. So that was December 2014 when the deal closed, and as you said, fast forward to this year. So in five years, we've done the feasibility study, raised a billion dollars, and completed construction now of the first uh, Western-style scale mine in the country in five short years. And, and in some jurisdictions, you say five years is pretty quick, even in very developed mining jurisdictions. So it's, it's been a, a quite an exciting journey, challenging at times, but we have shown that Ecuador is a country that you can build mining operations and you can operate mining operations. We acquired a significant amount of our materials from Ecuador, all our structural steel, our camp, a lot of cement, fuel. The productivity of the labor force was much higher than we anticipated. We forget that oil has, or sorry, Ecuador has quite a large oil industry, so well-trained tradespeople. And then the infrastructure that the country put in place, the airports, the roads, uh, power. You know, we're, we've been on the power grid now since October of last year without any interruptions. You know, the infrastructure is fantastic in Ecuador. The geological potential is there, as can be seen by Fruta del Norte and other discoveries. So it is a, it's a great country to be involved in and very exciting to be the first operation in Ecuador. Ron, we feature uh, Lumina Gold and Luminex Resources, your friendly peers there in Ecuador. And as I've gotten feedback from my listeners, the main objection has to do with Ecuador as a mining jurisdiction. Uh, when you were looking at this project in 2014 before you purchased it, what were those discussions like with the government? Those discussions focused on has Ecuador changed? Because your, your, your listeners are right about the history of Ecuador. It has been tainted. But the thing that a lot of list, a lot of investors forget to realize is that Ecuador is a U.S. dollar economy. We're not talking about it's not tied to the U.S. dollar. It is a U.S. dollar economy. They need foreign investment they, because they can't do anything else with their currency. And they used to have oil. But now we've seen with oil markets fundamentally changing with climate change and other factors, the government realizes they need mining. They know they have the potential. So the, the government has done a lot of work. Uh, they brought Wood McKenzie in in 2013 to help the government understand how they can make their fiscal uh, regime more competitive with their neighbors, Colombia, Peru, and Chile. And by doing that, that was the firm start. And then they've continued to improve their regulatory regime. And now with Fruta del Norte in production and another mine called Mirador, which is just to the north of us, a large copper porphyry, similar to Cangrejos and others, although I think Cangrejos is higher grade, there it shows now the government is seeing that the mining can develop royalties, income for the country, but in addition, they're realizing that mining actually has a much broader economic development in local areas than oil. This is something we taught, they thought oil and mining were the same, but they're very different. Mining generates a lot more jobs, much longer term, and buys a lot more things from local suppliers. And so we have a much broader impact on the local economic areas. And if you look at the areas where Cangrejos is, where Fruta del Norte, Mirador, and others, these are in areas that have not had a lot of economic development because they're not oil-producing areas. And therefore, this is a really significant impact for a lot of the economic development and other broadening the economic development throughout the country rather than focused on the cities 
and where oil is located. How can investors be assured that the positive changes that have been occurring in Ecuador the last six plus years are going to be sustained? They can look at Peru or Chile and maybe see a longer mining history and an investor looking at an Ecuador investment might say, how do I know it's going to continue to be good? I think the, what investors can look at is the, the regime that we have in place is supportive of the regime, the track record that we are starting to build. And if you look at the, we have signed agreements with the government that have a term of 25 years, and they don't provide any special benefits. What they essentially did is said the economics the fiscal regime, the regulatory regime, when you made the investment, is frozen for 25 years. That's really important because it, you know, we we don't have tax holiday, special tax holidays or other things like this. We government will start to see revenues very quickly. That is really important in the new world, in the new age. You know, historically, investors wanted tax holidays and that, but then governments don't see any money for a long time, and that creates in issues. Ecuador, I think, for investors, the stability comes from these agreements that they're willing to sign. The fact that now you do have a couple mines up and running, you know, somebody has to be first. And once the government start to see, and in particular, responsible mining, when the government start to see that responsible mining can be done, the economic benefits that I've spoke about earlier, these are all things that are, are making the government of Ecuador realize the potential that mining can bring. For example, in Peru and Chile, as you said, long term, they, mining represents 20, 25% of the GDP. Fruit del Norte alone in the early years will have an impact change of 1.4% on GDP. It's not very often one mine can do that. It's things like that and the economic development and the showing we can be responsibly are giving Ecuadorians in general and the government a lot more comfort. And as I said, the geological potential with the Lumina projects and many others, some of Luminex's new finds in, in south of us show that there is a tremendous amount of potential in this country as well. You raised a billion dollars, that's a billion with a B, to put this mine into production. What were some of the jurisdictional objections that you encountered through that fundraising process, and what did you share with those investors? It's interesting. The jurisdictional issues came up mostly on the equity. and But the you know we did a, a stream and a, a gold prepay as one tranche, or $300 million. That was instrumental because that was with Orion and Blackstone. Blackstone is a very large U.S. Uh, fund. Their due diligence they did on us, on the country, was significant. And Blackstone has done other projects with Orion, only in Canada. Ours is the first one that Blackstone and Orion have done outside of Canada, and it was Ecuador. And I think Blackstone coming in to our investors, other investors, was almost like the good housekeeping stamp of approval because their due diligence was significant. They went into government. They went. They built personal dossiers on all our management. We even heard about them putting, sending people to local villages and asking about mining and what it meant. That was a huge step forward. The banks, it was pretty standard. You know, I think the benefit was the uh, economic stability agreements that we had signed with the government and the quality of the asset. Um, and the equity, we ended up, having to go with strategic investors because the equity market was very difficult. Again, we were first movers, so it meant we had to, we had bigger challenges. But the fact that we've done it 
is giving people a lot more confidence in moving forward in Ecuador in the future. In, in Ecuador, I understand it's important to really uh, have a good relationship with the locals, not just the federal government, but it doesn't it vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction locally? It does very much. It's a very good point. And it, that's, that's not alone to Ecuador. That's anywhere in the world today you need that strong community support. We were very lucky that our, the previous owners of Fruta, Aurelian and Kinross, had very strong community programs. So we started from a good foundation. But it is so critical, and it is very different. Uh, we, were, we were very lucky in that we had, no, we had no relocation issues. We are not on cultural land, we are, and we do not impact, although we do have a good relationship with the Schwar nearby. So it is really unique. And again, I think that's where Lumina and Luminex, Luminex has properties closer to us. They're going to be able to build off of our relationships that we built. And Lumina, where their Cangrejos project is, again, is not in indigenous land, is not on any cultural. So, you know, I think that uh, where they're at, actually, they'll have less issues than than other projects more in the Amazon do. When you do a valuation of your company, do you see the so-called Ecuador discount built into your valuation? How does your reserves and your production and production profile compare to others? Actually, we're almost the opposite, you know, because if you look at it, and I've heard Marshall and others talk about the Ecuador discount, I think that's more an issue with some of the developers and that. But now that we are, we've built the project uh, on budget and on time in terms of our first gold. And we announced commercial production uh, at least a month. We said Q2, and we announced it mid-February. So we're well a month and a bit faster ahead of schedule. As a result, our stock price has done very well. So we, we actually don't see an Ecuador discount. We actually, we're actually seeing a premium. We're trading at a higher ratio to NAV than other single-asset gold producers. So in some respects, it's more, you know, if you say what you're going to do and you get it done, you know, that Ecuador discount will disappear. And I think it's unjustified for the good work that Lumina and Luminex are doing. Some investors, uh, through the feedback I've gotten, have articulated that if you really want to make sure a project is going to move forward in certain jurisdictions that are maybe more politically unstable and that don't have a long-term a favorable inclination towards mining in the country that you would want to see like a Zijing mining or a state-backed mining company come in to kind of push around a potential smaller company to make sure things move forward. What would you say to investors that think that needs to happen for a project to move forward? I don't think you you really, I think you need the right strategic investors. Like with us, we obviously had the lending family right from the start and with the name on the front door. But then also us being able to bring Newcrest in as part of the equity raise. Newcrest uh, came in with for 250 of the 400 million we needed in equity for our financing. And they now own 32% of the company. That was important and helped give us, but more important for other investors than Ecuador. Ecuador really looked at us as Lundin and the people that were there as part of our team and had confidence in what we were doing. It, it didn't really impact the government's decision. It's more important that you build a strong team uh, locally, and which Lumina and Luminex have done, and that you, have, you, you continue to show that you're doing what you said you're going to do in terms of work in the ground, in terms of community investment, in terms of um, many other aspects of the project. The big strategic was more for outside financing than it was for 
any impact on Ecuador. As we kind of wrap it up here, what final advice would you give to the junior miners operating in Ecuador based on your experience? Advice I'd give is, as I have said, do what you say you're going to do. Be transparent, open door. If something, you know, don't be afraid to say we can't do something this year and we're going to do it next year. Or, you know, you have to be very open. And community license, social license, however we want to call it, is key. And it's so important in a country like Ecuador. The people are great, but it's other, how you move forward is building up a relationship that is built on trust and communication. That's the best advice you can have is, is you need to be open and uh, open door policy and, and be willing to talk about things with your project, but also be honest. Don't promise what you can't deliver. Excellent. And your final advice for the investors listening to us talk about Ecuador. Invest in Ecuador. It, the, the geological potential is phenomenal. You know, we've just scratched the surface. Geologists are great. I'm not a geologist. I'm an engineer. But they're great. But they can be a bit lazy. Ecuador is jungle covered, so it is more challenging. But it is the geological potential that we've just scratched the surface. And so my message to investors, invest in Ecuador. Thanks for coming on Mining Stock Education, Ron. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm at PDAC. This is Bill Powers with Mining Stock Education, and I have the pleasure of sitting down with Elisa Moran. She is an advisor to the Ministry of Energy and Non-Renewable Natural Resources in Ecuador, an advisor to uh, the gov- government of Ecuador there. She's also an employee in this in this role with the Ecuadorian government. And I asked to sit down with her to get her take on the happenings in the mining sector in Ecuador for investors that have inquired and are interested, especially in the geological potential of Ecuador, but have some concerns regarding Ecuador as a mining jurisdiction. So, Elisa, thank you for sitting down with me. And as we begin, could you provide an overview of some of the key aspects of the Ecuadorian laws and regulations as it relates to the mining sector? Yes. Hello, Bill. Uh, Nice to be here with you in this interview uh, to talk about uh, Ecuador in mining. Uh, Well, our country now, I can tell you that is uh, with a better understanding of the industry because uh, Ecuador is now uh, in knowledge of their high potential in mining. So we are trying to reinforcement all our regulations to give better conditions to the investors. So uh, in Ecuador, uh, we have a long tradition of exploration, very long tradition, and you know, that is like a quiet activity. So now that we have a very good uh, foundation, so um, we are going on to give better conditions. And for example, uh, we eliminate the windfall tax. We used to have the windfall tax in our regulations, but these ones are thinking uh, to, to be done or to apply to oil. But when we start developing the mining industry, 
this has to be applied to mining because this regulation says about all the exploitation in in non-renewable natural resources so now we have already understand that this is not very good for the investors that we have to give them better conditions so we eliminate as government a windfall tax that is very very good for the projects also we have a reduction of the capital gains because also we have a tax over that of the gain of the capital so now we understand also and we have a reduction also we have a very important a reduction of the royalty for the exploitation in the big scale mining activities so from um, we used to have five to eight percent uh, percent and now we reduced to three to eight and is ne negotiable uh, in the exploitation agreement also um, we have a recovery of the VAT of the VAT uh, uh, since uh, 2018 and this is very good also because companies spend a lot in VAT and we use not to to this this treatment to this type of tax of recovery now we, we have so as you as you see we are starting uh, start understanding the industry better conditions to them and we have all the, these regulations and creating a modifying regulations because we are understanding better in exploitation. Exploration is different activity. Now conditions for exploitation has to be better. When you, the, you as in the government of Ecuador, saw that you wanted to increase mining activity and you brought in Wood McKenzie to advise the government, were there any suggestions that Wood McKenzie proposed to the government that Ecuador has not yet implemented but possibly could implement in the future? Yes, um, Wood McKenzie has a, a, a lot of recommendations. They start advising us a, in the in the uh, fiscal issues and and taxes so now we are going to have this uh, today at PVEC we are going to have an interview and meeting with them because there are a lot of issues that part of their recommendations now has to be uh, done so yes we are open to do that they they know a lot about how is operating the, the exploitation agreement so and the benefits that needs uh, the state from the constitution. So we are going to, to, to do these changes and implementation of the recommendations. I think the work of Wood McKenzie was and is really good and helpful for the industry in Ecuador. When North American investors look at Ecuador and they can look at some of your peers like Peru or Chile and they see a long storied history of mining so they know what to expect with Ecuador because there was a downturn before there was a positive upturn in 2014, some investors are concerned about the future that if there was a change in government, you know, in three to five years, perhaps the laws and regulations would not be as favorable. What would you say to those investors? Uh, that now we have a different thinking from other governments. We're open to the investors, uh, foreign investors, because uh, Ecuador uh, needs to know more about these uh, mining activities and business. And that is very important for us. So we want to work and these, and we are working in these guarantees that our peers in Latin America have. And something that is very important, 
You know, the long tradition in other countries, as Peru, as Chile, is the, it gen generates a less risk by a less reward. Now, Ecuador has a high risk by a high reward because Ecuador has not been total explored. So we are open to receive them in better conditions. You know, there are some issues that all countries have, but we are working on that. We know that we have to put actions, and that is very, very good because Ecuador now wants to have the mining as a very important activity for the economy of our country. That is our option after uh, oil. So we are working on that. That's why we are advising people that know about the country, about the industry. That is very important. To have this comparison with the peers is important. We have to understand better practices for better conditions. When it comes to local issues, I understand even if the federal government is uh, very favorable to a company or a project, the mining companies still need to be very mindful with their engagement with local issues. Can you educate us on what miners and the investors thinking about investing in a mining company need to observe and know about how to deal with the local communities in Ecuador? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, yes, there are two big issues that they have to know. It's the first one, they have to fulfill the national regulations that um, I, I told you, have already told you. But also, it's very important to work in the mining sites. There are regulations from the mayors. There are regulations from the communities. So they have to be open. They have to explore and make a, a good due diligence of their communities around them. We, uh, they are open. They are expecting of the benefits of mining issues. So it's very important to tell them in a very open way what are the benefits that they are going to have? We they have to to create a very good community relation, um, a very good community relationship that permits to the community to start uh, making a sustainable development uh, with with the help of the company in some activities that are not necessary employing the mining. There are a lot of activities that the employees of the mining needs. So they have to know about this potential. And uh, the government and the companies, we have to start working in that together so they can be open with this information to a better conditions of their life, better conditions of the life of people of Ecuador. So they have to work in mining sites all around with the people of there, understand what they need and what they are expecting from, from the, the, the mining issues. This is very important and the key of this is that the companies has to start working in these social issues from the beginning, from the exploration. As I told you, exploration is like a quiet activity, but now communities are expecting of that also. So there are all these stages of the mining activities that has to be uh, working with social issues. That is very important. If you do it like that, you are going to have a very um, successful project in Ecuador. A few years ago, there was a big 
contestation in Guatemala over the Escobal silver mine. And that mine is a very high-grade, large silver mine that came into production. But then there was resistance from the local community that said you didn't fully consult with us when you issued the mining company the permit. In Ecuador, do you involve the local communities when the federal government issues the exploration permit? Are the local communities involved in the approval or the feedback of even giving the exploration permit, which is a, a ways away from exploiting the resource? Oh, yes. Uh, we, we are talking about the um, previous consultancy. Uh, we are working on that because uh, we think that first we have to fulfill the international uh, agreement of the OIT, the 169, uh, and we are working to regulate this. Uh, it's very important to work with them, uh, open the information to them, to discuss with them. I think that the more hard part of this is to try to uh, to try to understand, they, they have to understand what are the real expectancy of the uh, mining activity, of the project. Uh, they have to understand that the mining activities take time and not all the mining activity has a successful project. You have to uh, uh, teach them, educate them, in this way so they can know what are the real timing of the activities. So I think that is going to be very, very helpful of the regulations that we are, we are now creating. The stages of this consultancy for at first stage, we have a really good methodology to try to go on with this information, open information. And then we can have like a diagnosis, diagnosis, like a due diligence of what is going on in the social zone. And if there is a communities that you have to make a consultancy. If there is the, co the, the communities, uh, indigenous communities, so how you can go on with the mythology to make a consultancy to them. But the other people around the mindset has to be informed also. So I think that we are uh, working on that so we can have also a, success, a successful uh, project of the um, in consultancy and social license. We don't used to talk about a social license, but investors uh, know what, what, what are the, the, the real understanding of that. That is very important for, for our communities. And in this understanding, I think that the good, good um, mining practices are going to be very helpful in this. So I invite these investors to, to come to Ecuador. We are, bring, we are going to bring them better conditions. And also that we are working in social issues, issues so they can go on with their projects in a better way. Excellent. Well, Elisa, thank you for joining me on Mining Stock Education today. Thank you, Will. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. 
The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really you could do really really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks, don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can, do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.